0: and many world championships and many Olympic goals does Paul O'Donnell need to win to be the, very, the greatest sports person of all time in Ireland Is there a number? Can we pick a number? Because he's going to do it
1: OTB AM Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app
0: The
2: News Round on Off
0: The Ball With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar This is News Talk
2: And you're very welcome along to Thursday nights off the ball. It's Richie McCormick here with you until 10pm tonight. A busy and tempestuous week so far in the Premier League. What with Liverpool and Darwin Nunez losing the head and sticking the head into Joachim Anderson. We've had Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte with their little set two on the sideline at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. And Manchester City uh, still herring away with things at the start of this new season. John Giles is going to join us. In the football show After 9 o'clock tonight To look back on all of that and more uh, It has been a difficult night so far For Shamrock Rovers In their Europa League playoff First leg away to Ferenc Varos uh, The Hungarian champions Currently leading by three goals to so nil And there are 17 and a half minutes played It's nearly for another flood by Alan Manis, uh, But it has been cleared momentarily At least by Shamrock Rovers So 3-0 it remains Gavin Cooney is going to give us An assessment of that game After half past seven as well And we're going to give you a little flavour Of last night's Cadbury Road which took place at Vicar Street with Ian Wright Michael Owen Karen Kearney and Emma Byrne uh, joining us in studio tonight uh, one of the people responsible for that roadshow last night the uh, wonderful and uh, magnificent Mick McCarthy Mick you're very welcome in studio as always that's a beautiful intro Richie. you deserve yeah, it
3: Mick. responsible you I'm not sure it. but uh, we had a fun night and God it was great to be at a, at a full big roadshow again yeah that was a real kind of feeling of we've had a weird few years and we're back to the way we were, you know. I was gonna say, COVID is gone or whatever, but like you know, statements like that are ridiculous. But it did feel a bit back to normal. There was a lot of kind of like rambunctious oh, really? Arsenal fans in oldish jerseys, uh, kind of shouting at the stage. You did know, you have to do
2: that, the usual thing that you do in a in a uh, in a roadshow, which is? Just tell people to not come up to the stage like during the middle of no, the
3: show no no funnily enough people were kind of well aver- uh well well behaved there was there was kind of like one guy who was sort of like uh, a massive massive ian wright fan who had spent had gradually kind of got more himself more involved in the show right and ian wright himself had to put him in his place uh with i can't say 90 percent of the words he said in the sentence but uh certainly said if they wanted you to be on the show they'd have given you a microphone Again, leaving out about four okay. four, four uh, excellent that. Uh, yeah. Look, I think your man actually enjoyed it. He was, he was putting yeah, the face right by slowly. Ian Wright, you know. I <laughs> know, ah, but in the fairness, it was a great crowd. They were so into it. Ian Wright was a hero. He's who we're going to hear from tonight. We'll be hearing him from it over the course of the shows uh, for the next few days, um, across, uh, you know, tomorrow, on Saturday, and again, I think on Tuesday. Um, but Michael Owen was brilliant. Really, really nice guy yeah really really enjoyed just having a a brief chat with him afterwards but um yeah incredibly nice guy but i think the crowd were kind of booing own a little bit in the intros and yeah. when we were saying he was coming on and there was like there was a lot of arsenal fans there obviously but there was liverpool united fans they all have this interesting relationship with own but when he came out yeah there was that respect there and actually when he when he did his his half hour or so like you know people were kind of loving him at the end i don't know whether he might be one of the more misunderstood figures in the
2: think, world of sport. I think he probably is. I think he's one of these people who probably doesn't. I don't know the world. The world of punditry probably doesn't suit him. And I think in a looser atmosphere and in a more conversational, freer environment, yeah. then possibly he's a, he, he would give a better account of himself.
3: It's an interesting question. It's actually something we could get into another time, I'd imagine. But like, it's it's like does the world of punditry suit him? because the world of punditry is straying towards a more combative performative style rather than a and short conversational and thoughtful and and yeah
2: well that's like that does raise an interesting point because all not all a lot of punditry now is really curtailed by and it's nature TV uh, by ads and even if you're on BBC they've got packages during the middle of half time or they don't have adequate time at the end of the game to actually discuss things see you really need to talk in bursts. And if you can't convey your opinion in a really interesting, engaging manner and like instantly engaging and in, instantly interesting, then people will think you're quote unquote boring. And it mightn't be the case at all. It's just that the parameters within which you're working don't necessarily suit your point.
3: Possibly, yeah, yeah. And yet yet, it's on more than it's ever been on. But again, it is, I think you're right that it is obviously in, in shorter segments than, than it ever was before. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I don't know, like Michael, kind of he told the story last night again. We'll hear it, late. we'll hear it in a couple of days of, um, you know, the end of his career and how kind of like fed up he was by the whole thing. And it's funny when I think of BT, he did he talked about that one time and it was I think I think it would it have been during COVID or maybe what, but they had more time than they usually had anyway for some reason or another. And I was it's the most memorable piece of BT analysis. Or, be you know, piece of analysis that I've seen on Is this the live when BT, game on BT started
2: doing like the long segments after a game. I think they just would sit around and almost have a chat. And it's when maybe it was. It's when maybe the talk it was. of the golden yeah, generation stuff the, came up between Frank Lampard and Gerard. I think while they were still pundits, and nice. they were really interesting conversations. Yeah. And They're interesting because they were longer and they had the ability and the time to actually draw these things out,
3: maybe. Yeah, and I just like we were kind of half talking about it on the show the other day, but like, what's the what's memorable BT? segment you can remember from the last couple of years you know what I mean I don't they don't countless uh,
2: episodes of Fletch and Sav countless mate. <laughs> okay fine
3: <laughs> right I, well I suppose I mean like I, I don't remember anything Rio has said I don't remember anything Joe Cole has said you don't remember anything
2: don't. Rio, Rio has said The recently there's the contract get the contract out get him to sign there you go it. That's, How, what's that's your that? definitive that's three BT three years Owens. ago or
3: something and that's probably the last time and that was uh, yeah also three words aged well
2: three words that uh, occurred on BT I oh know it's not three. I mean, it was Count the words, Richie. One, us. two, four. It was just banter. Richard Keith. I'm that was on Des TV. Kelly. It certainly was. Oh. These oh. are all on shows. I don't even know if these exist anymore. The, the like the show that Des Kelly had, that Richard Keys appeared on, where he gave his side of events and the dark forces that were at play was BT even around back uh, then it was I'm sure it wasn't like Satanta this, it was definitely not Satanta <laughs> it was definitely not Satanta this was Des Kelly in BT Claire Balding had a chat show on there as well for a while yeah. I don't think that's there anymore is it
3: god you're going back now you're going back now I think back, I am, like like am probably talking about a little bit more recent stuff Like, uh, yeah. but anyway there you go. a good night had by all oh, it was a great night it was genuinely yeah. very very enjoyable and yeah crowds seem to enjoy it and hopefully when you're listening now yeah i think like you are listening to right tonight now like you know the beat machine is in full force <laughs> but uh you know not too bad but like you know i do think i always think that like you do get a sense of these things on the radio but it's only when you're in the room that you kind of you know really kind of get like how funny some of these guys are as yeah. well you know what i mean and it's like Emma Byrne, Karen Kearney were there as well. You'll hear particular like I think we're gonna play that tomorrow night. You hear like Emma Byrne was a superstar. Yeah. Mm. And I think I actually really want to make sure people listen to that tomorrow night because Emma Byrne is uh, has so much charisma and she was acting like not acting like, but she was performing like this is old hat. Yeah. I wouldn't say Emma Byrne has done a lot of, uh, like kind of Vickership shows games, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean And uh, she was absolutely brilliant And anyone who was there in the night will tell you that So um, yeah there's lots to look forward to if you're, if you're listening on the radio over the next few nights
2: There you go that's all to so look forward to As I say we're going to give you a flavour of it The Beat Machine has been working in full effect To uh, bring you some Ian Wright uh, tonight That's going to come up after 8 o'clock After 9 o'clock John Giles is going to be speaking to us Around the uh, weekend's events and the week's events in the Premier League and also Gav Cooney is going to join us after half past seven the full-time whistle will have gone by that stage uh, Shamrock Rovers 3-0 down away to Ferenc Varas. it could have been a lot, lot more by this stage Ferenc Varas uh, have wasted uh, several chances in the second half to be quite honest with you and could well have been uh, doubling their scoreline as it stands with 3-0 into the final Uh, 10 minutes there Before we go any further as well uh, a note as well uh, being a Bose fan this didn't escape me last night either and and it's kind of been stuck with me today as well Uh, the tragic passing of Derek Monaghan who was involved in and around the club for years at this stage Um, Mono is how pretty much everybody knew him it's how I knew him it's how I knew him up until recently Um, and his passing has come as an incredible shock to everybody involved at the club and the kind of person I was saying to friends last night that you want involved in your club and you want to be to be front of house he did absolutely everything between being a DJ between being a barman between being a bar manager a steward uh, he's worked in every capacity almost in the club and leaves behind a young family and leaves behind the countless amounts of friends and has been such an outpouring towards him as well and yeah he should be seriously, uh, seriously missed in and around the club so uh, we'll dedicate tonight's show uh, to Mono and uh, yeah we'll crack on with the news round which is brought to you with thanks to Gillette um, bringing that for us finish to your day Amory, we will start with events in Budapest
4: yeah, Shamrock Rovers trail Ferencvaros 3-0 with less than 10 minutes of normal time left to play in the first leg of their Europa League playoff round in Budapest. The winners of this tie will progress to the group stage. The Hungarians have won four consecutive domestic league titles, so this is never going to be an easy task for Rovers, but they've been well beaten tonight. 3-0 with 82 minutes on the clock.
2: Yeah, Gav Cooney is going to join us uh, on the line after half past seven. He's been keeping tabs on this one. It was a pretty difficult night for Shamrock Rovers from the jump, but as Dan McDonnell said a couple of times on the show last week, so this has been a, a pretty much a free hit and a, I guess a, a sense and a flavour of what can expe- our Rovers can expect once they get to the group stages of the Conference League is what it's now looking like, Mick.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a tough task. There was a sense as well, I don't know if this did them any favours that the pressure was off with the way Just it the way worked you, out. Yeah. That You know, you get through the last round and then you're getting to the group stages and then you have another game to see whether it's Europa League or Conference League. Yeah. And as much as we had conversations at the show about Rovers and United and who you'd support, <laughs> you know, there was a sense that group stage was, was the key here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that job is done. I'm not sure that does you any favours then as you get ready for, like, what you know, a tie where you're massively an underdog for You know what I mean? And I suppose they see what they're coming up against. They're probably doing well to keep it the tree, as you mentioned, Richie. You know? Another brilliant save. Another by Anna really Anna good there, save there yeah. from Manus. yeah. So you know, you keep it the tree at least. <laughs> Getting early goal there's hope. <laughs> but uh, be, you, like you in
2: honestly all fairness. never fairness, but you Look know, two I mean.
3: two two goals would be like really, really not a bad result here. Yeah, tonight,
2: t- you know? a, a, if they nick one tonight, who knows what might happen back at Tallis Stadium? But certainly, it looks like they will be lucky to escape uh, with a three nil defeat tonight. Uh, conversely, Amri we've had a really good day. Uh, as regards Shelburne in the uh, Women's Champions League.
4: Yeah, they beat Promorje 1-0 in Slovenia today in their Women's Champions League Round 1 semi-final qualifier. Heather O'Reilly there with the goal from a header in the fourth minute after they had had a penalty saved. They now advance to Sunday's final, where they'll face Iceland's Valur.
3: Yep. Uh, Heather O'Reilly backing up her uh, trolling of Cristiano Ronaldo yesterday
2: as well. I saw that I as well, think? yeah. They... they where to be honest with you, they probably deserved to be further ahead coming away from this first leg because that penalty in uh, the second minute essentially was really really poor. Uh, probably should have been tucked away uh, with a bit more ferocity. But Shelburne were on top in that first half and probably could have driven home their advantage. So I think it's further. like a
3: round robin rather than a first leg as such. Yeah, so like they're playing. Even yeah, still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Still, like I'm just saying, it's it, it, it's it's lo- for a one nil result that should have been more. It's lucky it's this format a competition rather than, you know, a, a a two leg where that could come back to haunt them.
2: Yeah. Uh, you missed b- being ensconced in Vicker Street last night, you missed the excitement around Rashida Adelecki in her four hundred meter final. I
3: did. It was popping up on the timeline and I was I was uh, disappointed not to be able to see it.
2: Yeah, she was um, absolutely fantastic, obviously, in uh, that fifth place finish. We called it live on the air. We were fully expecting, oh it was right. like, oh yeah, hits news, two minutes past nine, we'll kind of time it out, be fine, we'll be maybe a minute or two behind. Ended up having to call it 400 metres on the air, which is like new on it's me. It's a long race when you so, suddenly realise how long it's, 400 I mean, metres is. Yeah. It, it's like 200, you're kind of figuring, all right, I can probably manage that. 100, you've got like, a lot of information to get in, in the space of 10 you know, and ten and a half seconds. 400, stretch. From, yeah. uh, from being quite honest yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially when you're not as familiar with anybody else in the race other than Rashida Adelaide so mm-hmm. you know uh, but cr- absolutely brilliant just absolutely brilliant to, oh, yeah. to, her interview afterwards with David Gillick uh, was remarkable I know we'll get to the news of, of the Irish in action uh, tonight Anne-Marie able, we can I guess bring some Rashida from this morning.
4: Yeah, she says she missed running too much after the World Championships, not to compete at the European Championships that you just mentioned. The 19-year-old Tallinn native made history last night in Munich, setting a new Irish record of 50.53 seconds in the 400 meters. It was also her first ever senior final. And speaking to OTBAM this morning, she explained how it wasn't her plan all year to actually go to Munich after Oregon.
0: There was also a report that maybe you weren't even going to come to the Europeans after the Worlds because you were a bit disappointed that you didn't make the final of the Worlds. Was that in your thinking or was that actually, no, hang on a second. I've just run like the ninth fastest time here. I'm going to go to the Europeans and I'm going to get into that final. And I'm going to keep going. What was your thought process there? Well, yeah, after Worlds, like even before Worlds, I already decided that I was going to go to Europeans. Like I had like, example, I had a holiday booked from June um, and Worlds was all you mid end of July so I already made that decision not to go to Worlds because I was like I mean to Europeans because I felt like Europeans were so far away you know I have a long season next year I should just like you know end it there and go on to some um winter fall training and you know get ready for next year and I was just I was I had about 10 days off completely off after Worlds I was in like my off season and I just missed running like I was like I might actually just go to Europeans because I feel like I could do something there. And um, my hope was to get a medal. This was probably the most competitive year ever for the 400 meters. Like there was a ridiculous amount of girls under 51 seconds in the 400 this year. So it was definitely a challenging thing to do, but I just um, committed to it and I'm here now, so. How many days into that 10 day break did it take for you to realize that you missed running? um probably about oh probably on like the eighth day i was just like i kind of want to run like Mm. because i just love running so much so it's like i kind of missed it and a lot of people would think oh you miss running just go for a run or just maybe do a training session but i was like no i want to still compete so it's a bit different in that case
2: absolutely infectious character, both her and Israel all the time. And you know what? It shows the value of, and I'm not, I I don't know if there is, I would presume that there isn't uh, involved in their training is media training Mm -hmm. and how to converse with like when there's a camera in front of you and when there's a microphone in front of you. Both her and Israel and even to, uh, in a completely different sense, the way Sarah Healy spoke to uh, Carl Denny over there about her own problems and the 1500 metres in the last few days as well. The the way this team is able to speak and put, like you know put their own personality so firmly across and not just deal in straight batting platitudes and you Absolutely, know stock yeah. answers And all Do you that think kind of they've
4: stuff. had much media training? I,
2: I honestly don't know I, Or is it I just
4: they so. are really warm open characters because maybe it's just a coincidence because especially Rashid and Israel over the last couple of days like the warmth and kind of the openness that they've shown and it's like really positive in terms of athletics, which isn't one of the major sports followed in Ireland. Yeah. So people that are tuning in, unfortunately we do often tune in only when these major tournaments come around and you get an education from them almost.
2: Yeah. They've been yeah. they've been really infectious. I'd they're
3: also a great advertisement for like just, you know, be yourself yeah, and, the and don't be afraid of things because all so you much, get yeah. is all you get is good reaction from it. People want you to succeed. People don't want you to be oh, so reticent. I don't know, but I'm look, so I mean, I'm
4: happy she spoke about how the looking at the screen was a distract, distraction, mm-hmm. and she pointed that out.
2: And she still ran a five five three. Yeah, in a yeah, yeah. her sixth ever outdoor four hundred, her sixth ever, and she's knocking nearly a fifth of a second off her own best. She's nineteen.
3: Yeah, and like I mean, we still don't know whether she is going to be two hundred. Probably is probably the consensus, but she's getting better at the four hundred all the time. She's a Fifth place in a, in a European Championships now, like I love that both of them. It's what a couple of days, like it's been a, it's been amazing. But like that, not only did two Irish athletes reach these finals, uh, they're both young and have their whole futures ahead of them. But not only that, they made the final and then went out and ran PBs, yep. ran Irish records in those finals. That's high performance. You know what I mean? That's like, you always hear that going back to the Olympics like for generations. It was like, what's success for Irish athletes? We can't judge it by medals. We can't judge it by that. What can we judge it on Irish records? And they're going out in the Europeans and both of them are doing it in the final.
2: 19 and 20,
3: respect I can't believe that Rashida Adelecki is only 19. I feel like she's been in our lives for (laughs) years. It's incredible that she's only 19. She's achieved so much. And I know it's all like it's it, it's through the age groups. But she was obviously so such a high performing athlete for so long. Yeah. I feel like I feel like she must be at least twenty three or twenty four. <laughs> like she's I,
2: like honestly, how long have we known that name? It's 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 it's, a, I think it's knocking on four years now at this stage. I think she was, it was when she was in under sixteen. Yeah, she, we yeah. kind of first got the kind of alarm bells in a good sense that you know there's a special talent. But uh, she's fulfilling
3: it, her. you know, yeah. and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that progress all the time. A sixth ever race at that <laughs> at that distance. It's
2: and in contention for a medal. Like at nineteen years of age in the yes, European he final got her it, first, yeah. that's just absolutely incredible. Um we have more action of course uh, in the, on the Olympic Stadium track tonight, Amory.
4: Yeah, um, tonight, Andrew Koskeren is in the men's 1,500 metres final and then Roisin Flanagan is in the women's 5,000 metres final. Those events are at 5 past and 25 past 8, respectively. Elsewhere today, Mark English advanced to the semi-finals of the men's 800 metres in Munich. The Donegal native won his heat in a time of one minute, 47.54 seconds. Thomas Barr unfortunately missed out on a place in the final of the men's 400 metres hurdles and Marcus Lawler didn't manage to make the semi-finals of the 200 metres. Michelle Finn then finished seventh in the semi-final of the women's 3000 metres steeplechase and that saw her qualify for the final. Louise Shanahan made it through to the semi-finals of the women's 800 metres. That was after a third place finish in her heat.
2: I don't know why this has turned into a a, a BT Sports um, memorial uh, I don't, they're, they're not going anywhere for the time a memorial. A memorial that's where you were trying to pick out your favourite moments of BT Sport down through the years that's, you know, this is what this has ended up being uh, for certain textures. Uh, another save I think by Alan Manister to keep uh, Ferenc Varos out they're playing seven minutes out a time two of them have just gone Jake Humphrey's live coverage of the helicopter crash at Leicester was superb as was Lineker on Maradona both of those I do believe were done live obviously they were at the Leicester game at the time and had to cover that as it unfolded and uh, on the night I think it was that Diego Maradona passed away or certainly that week anyway Gary Lineker was helming their Champions League coverage so yeah they were both they were both standout moments from BT Sport down through the years Mick Fair enough
3: yeah okay they've done they've had, they've had a lot of football over the years I will agree that uh, the, the Leicester thing was great uh, Gary Lineker is no longer with them so again I was Jeez. talking about
2: more recent stuff we heard I didn't know where that sentence was going you're like is a really slow deliberate tone of course Gary Lineker is no longer with <laughs> there, was, there was a gap there <laughs> Gary Lineker to okay. the best of our knowledge is still very much alive ladies and gentlemen Jesus don't Richie well, I don't know, you've gone down a dark road there unexpectedly 4-0 Ferns. race yeah yeah volley from outside the box is one of those ones that kind of bounce on the ground bounced a couple oh. of times and went past the uh, know arm of Alan Manus. So that's I haven't four. read
3: that too well, unfortunately. After having such a good game,
2: he has had a brilliant game actually, Alamanis. Yeah. A- apart from the first goal where he was beaten at his near post, uh, he has kept the score down. To be quite, he franking, saw it late.
3: One. I think there was a good few bodies in the way there, but um, traffic is what you call it, Mick. He's yeah, bounced. Oh, actually, legs. if you look at it yeah. now, it's like there is like four or five uh, players in between uh, the shooter and manis. So that's, one that's why he let replays. the ball bounce
2: twice. Superb. yeah yeah
3: anyway um, I just wanted to say something about Thomas Barr actually before we move off the athletics First. he he's had a really tough four years and look, maybe this <coughs> is kind of it for him and at European level or whatever and he didn't make the final. you know, just one of those kind of athletes that I think is possibly underappreciated um, in what he's done over his career and like even today, You know, he was in the wrong heat in some ways. He was the seventh fastest. Yeah. But obviously the way the heats worked out, he he didn't advance. You know what I mean? So still still had the time in his legs to go and make a European final, you know. So I think that's just worked. And he also
2: raised the point in the week as well about the top twelve in the rankings essentially being guaranteed places further down in like so he'd have to go through a heat because he wasn't in the top twelve. Whereas your ordinary bog standards, uh, elite championships. will have everybody tossed into the heats mm. and then advancing through. So essentially, it was like a seeding system, and to a degree, I guess you could say he's probably undone by it uh, a little bit because you have people who would have been in those uh, semi-finals who would have been able to save themselves for uh, the, I guess, the yeah, the cut yeah. and thrust of just two races, more or less. Fair
3: enough. Yeah, and I do think as well without without kind of like the kind of rotten old spell of injuries he's had. Yeah, I think you know we would have seen. Tom Barr is a perennial finalist and like medalist at this level even over his career and we'd be sort of talking about him in very different terms for like at a, at basically he was holding it together in a really grim time for Irish athletics. Because it's the
2: only real bright spot. More you know, us, yeah.
3: and uh, yeah, again, like Asher, sure he made the water for Mount Rushmore anyway, didn't he there a couple <sighs> yeah. of years ago? And, he, so. and he's
2: devilishly handsome as well, Mick. So yeah, yeah. He's, he'll always have that on his side. Um, as is the nature of these kind of different unfurling European championships the gymnastics got underway as, uh, today as well Amory
4: Yeah that's right and Rhys McClanahan faces a long and nervy wait to see if he'll make the finals of the Pommel Horse after a difficult morning in the qualifiers that no one really expected the 2018 gold medal winner scored 14.200 to finish in second place but that may not have been enough to qualify meanwhile Ireland's Dominic Cunningham is in second place after Subdivision 1 of the all-round event. Daniel Fox is sixth with Ewan McAteer eighth. So Cunningham the only man there with a chance of progressing.
2: I'd be interested to see how that uh, Commonwealth Games uh, Farrago kind of affected Reese McClanahan's preparation here because uh, people don't know he had that situation. Obviously he's uh, an Irish athlete in terms of Olympics and uh, the uh, Olympic Council of Ireland would obviously recognise him as, as an Irish athlete but he wanted to compete for Northern Ireland. At the Commonwealth Games And the Commonwealth Games organiser said no Because he'd, op, uh, he'd represented Ireland before They were probably unfamiliar with How things operate on this island And the unique nature of, of dual I guess uh, representation And was out for a while And then had to get himself in And that that kind of stuff can't be good For your mental preparation for a major championship I think.
3: No probably not Especially like I mean it's, it's like the last thing anybody needs Is to go out and kind of like Be making statements about their nationality And uh, you know and their identity before they're competing in a sports event. Um, but look, I don't know, I kind of feel like that uh, that was sort of done and dusted a while ago. He's, play- he's competed in the Commonwealth Games since. I think it's probably more to do with the fact that having two major championships back-to-back can't be an easy thing to sort Not of... Sure, yeah. You know, I think you have to peak for one or the other when you've got Commonwealth Games and European Championships a couple of weeks apart really you know yeah.
4: he said afterwards that it was a win to even be able to compete though and the statement felt okay. ever so slightly loaded
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, possibly he's, he's not a boy short on confidence anyway Rhys McLenahan and uh, hopefully he'll be back uh, to his best uh, sooner rather than later Ireland's involved in the hockey as well today Marie.
4: Yeah, they host Poland, the Czech Republic and Turkey over the next three days in the Euro Hockey Championship qualifiers. Just one qualifying place is up for grabs for these finals, which will be held in Germany in August of next year. They face Poland this evening. Pushback is at half seven at the Sports Ireland campus in Blanchardstown. So in just a minute's time.
2: Yeah,
3: pushback's a great uh, term for the start of a game, isn't it? It is. Maybe it beats kick off or throw in. Throw
2: in. Tip off as well. Yeah, some it's people off, use yeah. tip
4: off for hockey, but push back is correct.
2: It's more correct. Oh, <laughs> they, they are wrong.
4: It is. I played hockey for years. No, and I, be, I
3: will believe you. I'm just, I'm just saying. Make, make sure you have the dig at The people who are get it right. What system.
4: do you say, Richie?
2: I would have said tip off, but I'm, I'm, I'm more than open to correction here, especially from somebody who's actually played. Is it as tiring as it actually looks? Hockey looks like it would kill you in a proper, in a proper full-on game.
4: Yeah, like well there will be different positions of a team that will be more tiring. Like midfield is obviously naturally more tiring. A sweeper position you couldn't you could have a game where you're not moving like half as much as a more forward player. But um yeah, like I didn't play at any sort of a high level. <laughs> I'm not comparing myself to international <laughs> standards, but um, yeah, fitness would be important. Um, I suppose on an even par with stick work.
2: Yeah, because I just remember watching uh, being at being in Ireland Games and seeing like that, the the men, seem in particular, uh, were the ones I would have seen and coming off like absolutely drenched. Mm. You know, it's um, more
3: that they play. It's it's that the fact that they do it and then play back to back. Yeah, is what I find kind of strange. Like you know, I know it's 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 a. Um, you know, the, the, the time would kinda of tend to suit it, but I like again, it just seems like if if Ireland are playing Poland Czech Republic Turkey in three days, like it seems like a go, 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 go non stop sport, you know, like so it just that just seems like a lot of activity. That's the way
2: it should be for you know, everybody, Mick. Look,
3: absolutely. People yeah, looking for yeah. two
2: weeks between games. It's just soft, uh, more than that, Nels. We've had our players of the month announced for the League of Ireland and the Women's National League today, Amory.
4: Yes, Sligo Rovers striker Emma Doherty named as the SSE Airtricity Women's National League Player of the Month for June-July today. The Donegal native scored twice for Sligo in their 3-2 victory over champions Shelburne and helped them reach the semi-finals of the Evoke.ie FAI Women's Cup. The men's Player of the Month then is from the same club, and that's the first time that this has happened with Sligo. Aidan Keena was named SSE Airtricity. Soccer Reichers Player of the Month for July. He scored two league goals against Shelburne and also against Ballatown and Motherwell during Rovers' recent Europa Conference League run.
2: Uh, that match, by the way, is over. It's finished 4-0 to Ferenc Varos. So, Shamrock Rovers will... Uh essentially have a mountain to climb. They've got figure uh, of fish to fry, you'd imagine, in the league against Dundalk on Sunday. Worth noting as well, West Ham are in European action tonight as well. They're playing at home to Viborg. And from an Irish perspective, there is a first start of the season for Conor Coventry in midfield not too many changes from David Moyes this evening but one of those does see Declan Royce drop out and the Republic of Ireland under 21 midfielder Conor Coventry starting in his place uh, Darren Randolph again on the bench for West Ham as is uh, Alexander Armstrong Okaflex uh, he is on the bench too who uh, he wasn't necessarily he wasn't actually on the bench at the weekend has come back in amongst substitutes uh, tonight for West Ham at home to Viborg. we'll keep tabs uh, on that one as well and before we go uh, the team named for Saturday's first test with Japan on that uh, historic mini tour.
4: Yeah, correct. And there are four debutants named in the Irish women's starting team for Saturday's first test in Japan. Fullback Maeve Dealey, right winger Natasha Behan, outside centre Eva Dalton and out half Dana O'Brien. Set to make their first starts in green nicola friday will captain the 15 and speaking today Eva doyle explained how the group spending longer than usual together has been majorly beneficial especially for those younger members of the squad
1: I suppose we're so used to coming in on a Friday evening and just having until Sunday together. And I think the um, idea of spending three whole weeks together as a squad, it's just there's been a buzz and it's been really exciting because um, we've had so much time together to grow off the pitch and to bond, Um, especially with so many new girls coming in. Like there is huge age gaps in the squad which has made it more enjoyable because um, there's just so much going on around you. There's so many conversations happening. People are forming new friendships, new relationships. So um, the buzz on camera is the same as off camera as well. So it's been really nice. But yeah, um, as I said, I've been around uh, a number of years, so I, I know how people have helped me when I first came into the programme and how they have brought me on around them. And that's something I wanted to do with the new girls that have come in. Um, so I'm very excited for them to see, see how they go on Saturday.
2: There you go, that's Aoife Doyle speaking ahead of that historic first uh, test with Japan on Saturday. Before we finish up, Anne-Marie, news of the golf and Shane Lowry in particular.
4: Yeah, Shane Lowry doing really well at the PGA Tours BMW Championship. He has just one hole of his first round left to play in Delaware and he's just a single shot off the lead. He's 6 under par through 17 today and the lead there held by American Keegan Bradley on seven under par so Lowry just back on six under Seamus Power then is level through 16 today that leaves him in a tie for 30th and Rory McIlroy is just getting his tournament underway that's alongside Austria's Sepp Straka.
2: All right Amri thank you so much for the news round. Mick as well thank you so much we'll let you get back to bleeping Ian Wright before he goes on air.